Welcome to the Amplifier Podcast, the show where the best in business discuss how you can grow your business best. I'm Wyatt McPherson, I produce this show, and in this episode, Don Cooper is joined again by the author of Personality Isn't Permanent and Willpower Doesn't Work, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who is back for the second of three episodes in this series, where today Don will be talking with him all about the immense importance of having a future self, which is a concept that I'm sure a lot of people won't quite understand yet, but that is exactly why you need to listen to this episode and also be sure to be subscribed to the show because Dr. Hardy will be on for one more episode discussing these topics, which I know you won't want to miss. And when you're ready to start your own podcast or kickstart marketing for your company, you can always visit us at AmplifierX.com. But as always, I truly do hope that you enjoy this episode of the Amplifier Podcast. I want to just talk about personality versus personality tests. I know you had a personal experience at the beginning of your marriage that um, certainly gave you a, uh, an interesting perspective on, on personality tests. Why don't you tell us about personality tests and how that is impacting society with the wave of uh, everyone's got a test these days. Yeah, there are, let's just say there are good ways to measure personality and there are bad ways. And I think most people have been caught up in kind of the cheap uh, manufactured kind of, I would call them fast food version of personality tests. Uh, I mean, there's ways that you can uh, obviously assess people. For example, if you're an entrepreneur coming in, like there's great, highly validated ways that you can study people. You could study someone's grit as an example. Uh, you could study their intelligence, their learning ability, their confidence, their creativity. I mean, there's so many good measures out there that have been highly validated. But the weird thing is, is that the popular ones out there in, pop, you know, in business culture and generally in pop culture are the type-based categorical ones. You know, the Myers-Briggs, the Enneagrams, even the DISCs, like these tests that put people into a category are not really an accurate assessment of people. They're not well, they're not good science, but they also just come with a lot of, a lot of baggage. Uh, that was one thing that really surprised me actually when I was going through my PhD. A huge aspect of obviously going through a PhD in this field is building tests and, and, and doing science. And in order for it to be good, a good test, it's gotta be valid and it's gotta be reliable. And valid meaning that you're actually studying what you say you're studying reliable meaning you're going to get this consistent results you know over and over um and with these tests there's a lot of well they're just not good science frankly and i kind of explain that with the big test which is the myers-briggs one which is the most popular but my main concern is honest, honestly not the tool itself my main concern is what the tool does for people um basically what it does is it gives you a, a an identity that then you defend you know like the reason people like it is because it clarifies their identity for them. It gives them something to describe themselves with. And we need that. We all need a story to say, I am X, I am this, I am that. The problem with overly assuming that type of identity is that you think it's always true. You think that that's the way that it, it always is. And it leads to mindlessness. Uh, I kind of hit hard in that book that, you know, the work from Ellen Langer, she's been at Harvard for about 40 years studying mindfulness, which is essentially awareness. And the, when you have a label that you've overly adopted, then you become very mindless to all the times the label's not true. So if you're depressed, you think you're always depressed, even though throughout the day, you've probably had many positive episodes. We call it selective attention in psychology. You can only focus on so many things at once. So it's like when you buy a car, you see that car everywhere, but you don't notice the 50 other cars that are on the road. And that's really how our behavior is. It's a lot more contextual. These tests give you one score, but they ignore context. They ignore the fact that you're actually going to be a little different in different situations. You're not the same guy in every role. 
even though you're an, an entrepreneur and you're super focused in your career, maybe in other roles, you're not quite that same guy, you know, maybe in your marriage or with your kids, you're not like the go, go, go guy, you know, I think in different contexts, we're different. But my, my, my biggest problem with these is that when you have a label, you seek to defend it. Um, rather than disconfirm it, your whole goal is to confirm your bias. And basically all of your goals are, are done to support the label. And if the label supports the goal, I can get that. But usually the goal is to, to you know, confirm the label. And one last thought is that usually when you have such a strong sense of a label, then you think your future self is the same person you are today. You think that in the future, you're going to, you know, if you say I'm an introvert, really definitively, then you think that your future self is also an introvert. And that may be true, especially if you're really definitive about this narrative, but it doesn't have to be true. Your future self doesn't have to be the exact same person you are today. Your current self is not the same person you were five years ago or 10 years ago. And so it really stops you from seeing a future with different possibilities. It really stunts your growth and your flexibility. You know, um, I had a, I had a comment on, on one of my social posts this morning. Uh, one of, I, I've published two much smaller sort of, uh, quick read books in the last few months that are really focused on particular topics for some of our clients. Um, one is called the turnaround optimizer process. And the subtitle says, how do you reduce, um, your footprint of personnel on a project by 50% and reach zero injuries. I had a few tradespeople come and going, so what's your, your, your intention is to put all of us out of work. And, um, and, and, and it's, and I'm like, no, not at all. Actually, my, you know, the whole, the whole context and motivation around this particular process is, is to make our industries much more competitive so that there's, there's longevity in the work and that it provides most, much more fulfilling opportunities for, for everyone because, you know, there's some issues with productivity and competitiveness that, you know, the, the entire industrial space in, in, in the Western world needs to address. And so the optimizer process is one small piece that can, can be used as a tool to do that. But in context, someone perceived the subtitle as a threat um, and, and, and then try to apply my motivation must be to profit from other people's sadness or something. And, and I was like, it's, and, and, and what was interesting, my motivation is the total opposite of that. Um, but I, I found that you know, without context, uh, people will, um, you know, all of a sudden assume a motivation. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, the big kind of the big crucial crux of all of this is when you have a really strong identity, which there's nothing wrong with that, but certain aspects of your identity should should be a little bit less overly held. You know, like what what Daniel Gilbert at Harvard has done, and he studied this a lot. Your readers or your listeners even would be able to do and just enjoy his six minute TED talk. You know, the psychology of your future self. Six minute TED talk. He really breaks down a lot of his research, but you know, he's asked thousands of people and I've done the same now at this point is like, are you the same person you were 10 years ago? If I were to ask both of you that, my guess is most of you would probably say no. Like, you know, are you the exact same person you were 10 years ago? Nor, I'm not and nor do I want to be. Yeah, and I, and, <laughs> like, and I think I'm, that that's I'm true. Grown, right? Yeah, I'm I mean, you know, what's, you know what's funny is, is I recently read Willpower Doesn't Work Again and I, I don't have anything against the book, but. I see a huge distance between how I see the world from when I wrote that book. And there's nothing wrong with it. I love it. And like, to me, that's actually exciting. I don't want to be the same guy who, you know, 
I don't want to be the same guy I was even a year ago because I want to keep growing. Um, but the same is true for future self that your future self could and should be just as different, especially if you're imaginative and if you're seeking growth. The problem with these tests and also with just overly emphasizing your current identity is that it literally stops you from that growth process of imagining a bigger version of yourself that requires you to change and grow. So what happens, and this is kind of the typical way of doing it, is, is that you set goals that are the byproduct of your current personality. They're the goal, your goals become the byproduct of how you see yourself rather than your personality, who you are becoming the byproduct of your future, of your goals. And that's really how it should be. You should set visions and goals that transform you into some, someone way more capable. I, I, that really resonates with me. And, and the whole idea of personality tests and just all these types of assessments, you know, I, I always look at them like it, it, it's a moment in time. How I use them for myself is it's a moment in time and it tells me something about myself that I can use as fuel for change. Um, we were talking about, and it's the whole idea of, is it a state or a trait? And can you use this information for, you know, I mean, this is a Joe Polish term. Do you use it for good or evil? Um, and, you know, and, you know, and I, I, you, you've got to use it for good, right? And if you use it for good and it can be powerful both for yourself and for, you know, if you're using it in your company for your team, uh, I was speaking with, uh, with some of my team on our weekly, our daily huddle yesterday. And, and, and I was talking about your book and about what we're doing here today. And I said, you'd be surprised to know that I am, uh, I'm an introvert. Um, and everyone's like, no, you can stand up and talk to us and you're very outgoing. I says, yeah, that's all very intentional. Um, I get my energy from quiet time, from being able to recharge. I don't, I don't get my energy from being in the middle of the social scene but I do try to participate and, you know, so I do video and audio and uh, podcasts and all that's very intentional. But, you know, you mentioned in your book, an example of sort of how uh, in school uh, teachers can put um, students in a, uh, if they figure that they use the example of being an introvert as an excuse to say, I'm never going to give a public, I'm not going to do public speaking in class. You shouldn't have me do that. And I remember in grade nine feeling that way. And, you know, public speaking in those days was English class and it was cue cards. And you were trying to talk about, you know, some big world cause to, to write your speech. And I, I just, I always, I, I pivoted and wrote speeches about personal experiences. So I didn't have the read cue cards. I could speak about them genuinely <laughs> and well what ended up happening is from uh from being nervous standing there reading a cue card to adapting the way i would publicly speak to just be natural i ended up winning totally unbeknownst to me and surprisingly to me i won the public speaking award in my high school in grade 9 10 11 and 12. i think that your experience is very similar i think i you know i think that most people most people have deep needs to be alone and to get a recharge. And most of us get anxious, particularly in public situations where we're in front of a crowd or when we have to do something social. And so because I think that that's so normal that we think that we're introverts when in reality, that's just, it's, it creates anxiety to do something in front of people. Yeah, there's a few people, very small groups of people who love that you know and we can call them more extreme extroverts but for the most part 
I would say most people that we call extroverts are actually people who are dealing with anxiety and social situations, right? Like we all, it, it, I mean, it's, it, it's nerve wracking. And so I, I wouldn't call you an introvert because it's scary to speak in public. I would say that that's just normal and that you choose to rise above your fears. And eventually it sounds like you can develop a lot of confidence in it so that it doesn't require as much courage all the time. I mean, I love right. the Dan Sullivan framework that, you know, yep. commitment and courage do lead to confidence, you know, that to me, like, I think that that's just the normal part of learning. Um, like me as an example, when I first started throwing blog posts online, I was terrified. Um, and I wouldn't call myself an introvert because I was terrified and even speaking in public. I've had so much experience in it now, but I mean, I still get nervous, but I mean, I was a missionary for two years having to knock on doors literally trying to sell religion and getting doors slammed in my face. And like, I remember the first several months just being like, I felt like a loser. Like, I'm like, these people don't want to talk to us. Let's not do this. You know? And like you expose your, I mean, they call it exposure therapy. You expose yourself to something long enough that the, the novelty wears off and um, you can develop a huge sense of confidence and even joy, you know, and, and satisfaction. I mean, that's one of the things Frankel further talks about is that happiness isn't, you know, the absence of sad feelings. Happiness often comes through struggle and happiness often comes through suffering because there's a sense of meaning and purpose that it's creating. Um, and uh, it's not really about feeling good. It's about doing something that, that pushes you and develops you. Well, I think that comes back to this idea of goals. And uh, you talk about um, what Duhigg says is uh, a keystone goal. And this idea of you know, that struggle helps define your personality that the getting, getting uncomfortable to, to push towards goals, to be that future self. I mean, I love what you talk, the whole process that you talk about in, with goals in your book is just fascinating and how it ties to commitment and interest and behavior. Um, I, I love that whole section in the book. I mean, think about the opposite though. Think about, if you're so defined one way, how limited your goals become. I mean, your future becomes so narrow. Usually it's just to continue going down the path you're on right now. Um, but I mean, when you can deal with that uncertainty, when you, I mean, from my perspective, personality and uh, comfort zone are essentially synonyms. They're kind of the same thing. And so for me, it's, you know, it's just, you know, yeah, I mean, so I, from my perspective, when you can get better at handling complexity and difficulty and even your emotions, all of a sudden your future opens up. So much more is available to you. You know, the difficulties of whatever a goal would require of you. Whereas if you, if you, don't, if you're, if you don't allow yourself to handle that, then, then your future is incredibly limited and small. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Amplifier podcast. If you wish to get in contact with or read any of their books, Don Cooper and our beloved guest, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, then you can do so anytime at the links in the description. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and be sure to leave us a five-star rating. It truly does help us out a lot. Thank you so much for listening again, and we will see you next time on the Amplifier podcast.